Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the MNL Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metz, here along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today it is our playoff preview. I think this is the fourth year we've done this, Chase, maybe third. Um, but every year we just kind of go through all the matchups like most other people do and, and give our take and our um, predictions on each of them. So, you know, who we think to win, who will win, um, what can go right or wrong for every team and, you know, and how many games and stuff, all the good stuff. Um, so let's get right into that chase. Uh, start with the North. Why not? Right. Um, we'll, we'll go with Montreal, Toronto. Cause I have a feeling this one might be one of the more in-depth series we talk about, but, uh, we, we've already talked about Montreal plenty, you know, last year, last week, we already, uh, we had an Andrew Berkshire on to talk about their season, what to expect. Um, what, what do you forecast for this series? You know, I, I think it's, we're probably both going to be on Toronto here, but how many games do you have this one going? Um, so if I was like forecasting, I would think Toronto in six would come out as the most likely, uh, explanation or outcome. I mean, but I, I have a nasty little feeling it'll go to game seven. See, I'm going to go, I, I think this will be a close one. I think no matter what the games will be tight. Um, I'm going to go Toronto in five though. I don't know. I, I think they, they kind of had Montreal's number this year. I'm not really as high on Montreal as, you know, like we hear the narrative, all oh, they're a playoff team. And, you know, I asked uh, Andrew what he thought about that last week. And I thought he gave a pretty accurate answer of that's a, that's a pretty bad narrative for slow um, or a lazy narrative for slow. Uh, this team has some talent. Like, don't get me wrong. Montreal's got some talent, but um, the, the biggest question marks to me are going to be, um, you know, is Shea Weber healthy and ready to play like Shea Weber played in the bubble last year and carry, can carry price or hell, even Jake Allen play like they play like Carey price played in the bubble last year. Um, that's, that's going to be the only chance. I think Montreal is pushing this series even to seven. Yeah, that is their only hope. I was listening to like an old Super Bowl thing of the Patriots versus Falcons, like way back when, and something that was said in the pregame was like, if the Falcons execute their game plan there's nothing that the Patriots can do to stop them and I kind of feel like that with the Leafs like they need to beat themselves yeah absolutely like I think the if the Leafs lose here it's probably like if you're if you're looking back if we're looking back at this in two weeks and the Leafs have lost three weeks I guess and the Leafs have lost I feel like the most accurate reason would probably be that goaltending failed them you know like if it was there was their own goaltending that posted an 890 or whatever and maybe a mix of like Montreal's goaltending posted a 940 or something stupid like that. Right. But um, I just, I, you know, and again, like, I don't want to just absolutely dump on Montreal, but I just think Toronto's a better team in all aspects. Their top six is better. Um, you know, their depth is close. May I, I would argue Toronto's probably a little better, but I don't think that's like a, a massive sway one way or the other, but then I like Toronto's top four more and their bottom pair or their bot depth options more. And um I would say goaltending's a bit of a toss-up, probably. I but like Jack Campbell's been the best of the bunch this year, and Jake Allen's been pretty good too. But I, I don't really trust uh, Montreal to play Jake Allen. I think it'll be Carey Price's net if he's ready to go. Yeah, I would think they'll give it to Carey Price and not look back unless something goes catastrophically wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, like there's no way he, there's no way Carey Price is not the starter, even if he hasn't played as good as Jake Allen this year. It's just, it's not happening. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he stinks the joint out for two games or whatever, and you find yourself in a two nothing hole, you go to Allen for game three, but I would be like, they're, they're, 
they seem like, and I get like part of it is they kind of have to, but they really seem like they're a live and die with Carey Price kind of team here. Yeah, Montreal absolutely loves Carey Price, and he's going to have to be great because I'm looking at, like, I feel like the Leafs have been kind of underrated defensively this year. Like Montreal, known as this like gaudy five on five team that just can't get it done on special teams. The Leafs both have more goals for per 60 and expected goals per 60 with a lower goals against and expected goals against at even strength in Montreal. So if Montreal's whole thing is we have no shooting talent, but we can drive play and Toronto's is more of a shoot closer to a shooting talent team, I guess, but this year they've been great at driving play. Like, like Toronto just has the edge in literally everything here as a team. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's because the, the Leafs get so much coverage and for years that like there has been bad narratives about how good they are. Right. Like, um, yeah. Like, like the course it, of year, yeah, like exactly. And like, Oh, they're actually good. Cause they're on a PDO heater or whatever. But like this year, it seems like people are too hesitant to give them credit for how good they've been. Exactly. And I think part of that is also because, you know, there's been even the talk over the past three or four years and they've been like a good team over the past three or four years. It's not like they've been the 2013 lease or anything, but it's like, it was all that talk and all that hype. That's just because that's what comes with Toronto. Right. And they got knocked out in the first round. So I feel like people are very, very hesitant to uh, give them any sort of credit until they show what they're made of. But um, yeah, like this to me, I saw money puck had a 75, 25 edge on this series, like, which is, giant like that that's pretty big but i mean it seems pretty accurate you know like one in every four times montreal sneaks out four games against them i think that's probably where i would put it about too yeah that sounds about right the leafs are the overwhelming favorites and it's going to be annoying because if and when they probably win there's going to be everybody being like well yeah but let's not give them any credit yet of course they were going to beat montreal yeah exactly it's the classic like they're doubting all the way up till when it happens and then when it happens like oh we knew that all the time so that's not that's not that impressive but um i I do think this is a good i'm looking uh, really forward to this series it's a shame there can't be fans because these buildings would have been rocking but i i do think that even like i have it in five but i would be shocked if like more than one of these games is a blowout either way. I, I think it'll be, you know, a bunch of like four, three, three, two kind of games that are, you know, maybe an overtime here or there that go down to the wire. And, and when you have that close a game, it can go anywhere from one team winning in five to the other winning in seven or whatever. Right. So. A hundred percent. There was a series somewhat recently. I th- have a feeling Nashville was involved. I don't know which way. I don't really remember. But the team got swept, even though every game was like a one-goal game. And I could was, see like Toronto and five being a similar series. It was Nashville-Chicago. That that series ruined the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Maybe it happened that. in Nashville as well. But no, Nashville hasn't been swept. But it was Nashville-Chicago because it was the year Nashville made their cup run, I think. But yeah, like Chicago scored four goals in four games or something like that, but lost every game like 2 nothing, And then just completely dismantled their team because of four period or like six periods of hockey. It's like, what are you doing? But yeah, like that, that is very much how I can see that going too, where it's like one team. It's just, it's so close or even like um, um, a couple of years ago in 2016, that, that uh, Capitals Leafs uh, game, that, that series, like that had four overtimes in it. And like all six games were decided by one goal. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. hundred percent. Cause I could exactly see some similar. Cause like, Montreal's scrappy and everything, but at that the end of the day, they're just gonna presumably lack the talent to actually beat the Leafs four times. Absolutely. Um, 
So this is probably one of our, I guess this may be one, one of the last ones we talk about just because we've talked about these teams too so much during the year. Can we, let's take three or four minutes because I have a rant to go on about how freaking stupid this schedule is. Yeah, so, this is insane. The schedule got released today and it came out. So Boston, Washington starts Saturday. There's a couple series starting Sunday, one or two starting Monday. Winnipeg and Edmonton, which is the next one we'll get to, starts Wednesday, and this series starts Thursday. Because of that, there's a freaking back-to-back in the NHL playoffs. That is the stupidest thing. I get it happened last year. Last year it had to happen. They were trying to get the season started as soon as they can. They were trying to get in and out of the bubble without, without COVID. All that makes perfect sense. And I get that not one team has an advantage here in Montreal and Toronto, but the fact that you have a back-to-back in the NHL playoffs is silly enough, but when you combine it with the fact that there was no need to have this, you could have started the series Monday, Tuesday, still got your Saturday night Toronto Maple Leafs game in and you still like, then you would have been completely caught up with the American series and you wouldn't have had to worry about playing a back-to-back in round one. Like there's no reason for you to be waiting for the Calgary Vancouver games to play. I don't think there's a reason to be playing them, but that's probably broadcasting rights. You know, they don't want to pay uh, Sportsnet back anything, which fair enough, whatever. I don't care. But the fact that you have to wait, they've pushed the games up to one. The North playoffs not starting till Wednesday is not going to affect the ratings on to, on Monday's game for the Calgary, uh, Calgary and Canucks. Like it's just, it's not going to affect anything because that game is meaningless no matter what. So it doesn't, it should not matter because if it doesn't have any effect on the top four teams, just start the playoffs on Monday. It is the stupidest thing in the world. And it's just one of those classic cases where it's like, we rip on this league a lot. It's a classic. We love hockey. We don't really like the NHL. And little shit like this that adds up is exactly why. It's just so frustrating. A hundred percent. And it's it's the worst because, like, like, you've already taken all meaning away from the game with the fact that the playoffs are going to be locked in before the game starts. So, like, everybody who's going to watch that game is going to watch that game anyways. Like, why would you wait for it? Literally, the only people tuning in to those Calgary-Vancouver uh, games are either people who just want to watch their team play one more time or it's because it's at 1 p.m. and they go, oh, I got nothing better to do or I'll throw it on while I'm at work or whatever, right? There's no one going, oh, I was going to watch the Calgary-Vancouver game, but Toronto plays in the playoffs tonight, so I'm not going to watch that. I'm just going to watch Toronto later tonight instead because anyone doing that is just going to tune into whatever American team playoff game there is. Like, it's just it's idiotic to be honest. Like it's just, it, it makes no sense. I get it. it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things, but it just, it's an unforced error like that. They really did not need to make. A hundred percent. And it's going to be really annoying when somebody gets hurt on those back to backs with something and everybody's going to be like, you know, this really didn't need to happen. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, like the one thing I'll say from a series perspective, it, it adds an interesting dynamic because I think it almost guarantees that Jake Allen probably will play game three. And I would assume Frederick Anderson is going to play game three for Toronto um, because I just, there's not too many teams even last year that used like Vasilevsky was the only one I could think of who really went, unless it was a back-to-back where it's like you needed to win or whatever. But just generally speaking, I think both these teams will be comfortable using their backup for a game. Yeah, I would think so. There, It's a good thing that, for the team's sake, that these teams are kind of uniquely qualified to play their backup in a playoff game. Yeah, but it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like Winnipeg doesn't have the same luxury. It'll be Hellebuck going back to back. Oh, 100%.
So um, I don't know. I just want to, we're, we're past the, we're at the 11 minute mark now. So we'll, we'll move on. I just want to say how stupid that was. It applies to this series too, because Winnipeg Edmonton has a back-to-back as well. Um, let's get into this series. We'll give our predictions at the end. Um, it's interesting. Like Winnipeg has been on such a slide that I think everyone is Edmonton now favor going into this series where if you would have asked this about a month ago and said, this is going to be the series. I feel like the odds from just like a general fans point would have switched, but uh, money puck is Edmonton on a 70% chance at winning this series. Um, I would, I would have that a little lower. I think personally, I, I think it would be closer to 60, 40. Yeah, I don't love the Oilers. I know they're absolutely rolling right now, but I'm still not super sold on the Oilers. Although I also <laughs> think the Jets are bad, so. Yeah, I'm not completely sold on either team, but, you know, I am obviously really on the Jets, but the Jets having Hellebuck is why I think this needs to be a little higher than 3-10, and 10, you know? Yeah, yeah, I could, like, I would Probably have said this series is a coin flip before I would have said it's a 70% Edmonton. Like yes. 70% into the NHL is huge. Yeah. And granted, Money Puck's, uh, Money Puck's odds are usually like way more aggressive. I'll try and pull to see if Dom has his up or not. I don't, I don't know if he does yet, but um, Money Pucks are a little more aggressive than anything else, but still like. Um, and they're it's just be XG based, so that would make sense, but. Yeah, but, um, you know, I would say, yeah, it's definitely closer to 60-40. Maybe even, I, I think I would hear a pretty good argument for 55-45. Oh, he's got some of these previews up. He's got the ones. Oh, he doesn't have the Canadian series up. It doesn't look like that's okay. Um, yeah, but uh, it's one of the things where it's like, um, I can see this one going either way. Like, if we're going to talk about how the Jets win, it's clearly going to be on the back of Hellebuck, and the top six needs to be good at both five-on-five five and on the – power play you know and winnipeg's got to stay out of the box which uh you would think is generally speaking an easy thing to say or to do but um you know it's definitely a thing you need to do against this edmonton oilers team if you want a chance of winning oh absolutely although there's a nasty little like symmetry or whatever with the fact that they're absolutely lethal on the power play. And at five on five, you have to play against Connor McDavid, like the hardest guy not to take penalties against in the entire world. Yeah. And um, I actually saw it was, uh, it was Garrett hole who posted something yesterday. And I, I thought it was really cool actually, cause I never really thought about it way, this way, but it makes complete sense. Um, and he had posted that, uh, you know, the, the, there's always the narrative that, you know, penalties just disappear in the playoffs. And that's not true. There's actually the same amount of power plays in a game. It's just so much other stuff gets let go that it feels like there's way less. But in reality, there's still the amount of chance, power play chances per game in the playoffs versus the regular season. So it's not like, oh. like, and, and again, like, I, I didn't even think of that at all. But like, it makes complete sense, you know, when you think about it, right? But so it's not like Edmonton is going to, like, it's not like you can just maul Connor McDavid uh, even more and expect to get absolutely nothing called against you. You might get slightly less in terms of how much more you do, but if you commit 20 infractions on him in one night, you're still probably going to get called two or three times, right? So, Yeah, and that makes sense. I never really thought about it that way, but I can't say um, – I wouldn't have guessed it, but now that you've said it, it makes sense. Once you think about it, you go, okay, yeah, that doesn't shock me at all, right? Like, it's like, okay, that I can actually, like, see why that, that's the case. And, you know, it's kind of cool to think about, about it that way, really. And I wonder if part of it, too, is, like, um, the group of playoff teams is almost exclusively teams with good goaltending that year. So, like, power plays just feel less effective because you're not going to score as much on, like, 
the top 16 goalies in the league as opposed to the league as a whole. Yeah, that's probably true too. You know, it's just where it's, yeah, there's less. And I, I think just, and generally speaking, you just see so much more, right? So it's like, especially in overtime, I would bet you overtime hockey doesn't have too many power plays compared to anything else we've seen in the league. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Like if you're, if you're Winnipeg, Hellebuck obviously has to be the difference maker, but then you just, you got to figure a way to slow McDavid and Dreisaitl down. You don't need to stop them, but you really need to slow them down. And then from there on, it's like, you got to hope, I guess that your depth is better than theirs, which again, like, it's a coin flip, but it's kind of a coin flip because both sides just kind of suck or just aren't like amazing really, in my opinion. A hundred percent. Well, what would worry me most about Winnipeg is like, how the hell are you shutting Connor? Like, I don't even know how a good team shuts down Connor McDavid. Never mind one of the biggest defensive train wrecks of the past three years. Yeah. Well, and we even saw it like the last time McDavid was in the playoffs, it's like, okay, you shut down, maybe they throw everything they possibly have. Like they throw, um, hopefully Ehlers is healthy, but Ehlers, Dubois, Shifley can be out there. They throw, or Stata, whoever the better defensive one is in your opinion. Yeah. They, they throw the three best defensive players they have out on just trying mom at all times, put, uh, Pionk and DeMello out there at all times as Susie steps over the boards. Well, guess what? Leon Dreisaitl's on the next line. And it's not like he is a slouch either because, you know, we saw in that playoff series where in, in 20, 2017, I believe it was, as soon as McDavid, you know, if McDavid wasn't generating, it gave that Dreisaitl line a lot of room to work with. And that is going to be the case here. And that's going to be their biggest tra- challenge in, in shutting that down. A hundred percent. Because after, say they throw everything at McDavid, like Winnipeg's, the fact that that Shifley-Wheeler-Connor line is just, a defensive complete liability restricts them so much when it comes, because you can't match them up against anyone good on Edmonton. No. Although I will say that line versus a dry side of line who is equally not as great defense. I mean, that maybe not equally that like the Blake Wheeler was just atrocious at defense this year, but um, also not known for his defensive prowess. Um, that would be just insane, just back and forth hockey to watch. And I'm, I hope it happens, but yeah, my, and my biggest concern really is that blue line is just, uh, it's not good. Like I, I like, I, I don't hate Edmonton's. I think it's, it's not amazing, but it, it's do it's fine. Right. Like it's okay. It works. you got some, some good players there. I just, I really don't think uh, Winnipeg has the high end and I, I don't think they have a ton in depth either to make up for no high end defensemen. Yeah, Edmonton's defense is like, it'll get it done by committee if and only if you have the best player in the world up front to make up for it, and luckily they do. Whereas Winnipeg's defense is just, like, there's really nothing to like. Like, Pionk, and DeMello's good too, but, like, you're not going into playoff series being like, wow, I'm really worried about the Pionk and DeMello. Yeah, yeah, Pionk and DeMello are really going to shut us down. like that. And, And then, yeah, even, like, once they jump off, it's just like, like Logan Stanley's been fine this year or whatever, but it's not like, like that's, if that's your second pair, like he's been good, I guess, like above average, definitely. But I don't know. Yeah. I just, that's where it worries me. Um, on, on the other side for Edmonton, pardon, sorry. He's only been good because people expected him to suck. So be yes, like, yeah. And I mean like, like a huge win. Yeah. Like his RAPM has been like four of the five things are around a standard deviation above expect, like above or like one standard deviation above, obviously. Um, so it's like, he's been slightly above average, but again, it's like, if that's your fifth or sixth defenseman, you're going, yeah, that's awesome. If that's got to be your third defenseman, you're going, Ooh, that's uh that's not so great. 
And on, on top of that, it's we're talking like how we would use them. Um, we're not Paul Maurice and Josh Morrissey will be playing top minutes against maybe McDavid, but for sure one of these two lines. And that is just a mismatch waiting to happen. I would be willing to bet a lot of money that Morrissey will be McDavid's primary opponent. And, and David might just stuff. feast. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about his life because of that? Yeah. Uh, for, for Edmonton, uh, goaltending, obviously goaltending is a big thing for anyone, but I feel <laughs> shockingly, I feel a lot more confident in Hellebuck than I do in Mike Smith. Um, that'll be the big question mark for them is can they just get average goaltending? And I, I still think their depth forward, uh, should come into question a little bit here too. Obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl, RNH, uh, um, and and Yamamoto. That's a solid, very, very good top six. But uh, you know, you need they're going to need big goals from like Chason, James Neal, Kyle Turris, Dominic Cahoon. You know, they're going to need a goal or two from here. I think, and you know that that's maybe where I, I think they're lucky because I think against Winnipeg, I don't like Winnipeg's bottom six about as equally as much. But like you know, if we're looking forward and they're playing a Toronto or even a Montreal, I, I would be scared of this bottom six matching up against the other two teams. But for this series, it's, um, it's something to keep an eye on, but uh, I think goaltending is definitely their biggest question mark. A hundred percent. I completely agree where Edmonton's depth becomes a huge concern when you're playing like the Toronto's or like the Colorado's like the actually good teams. Whereas against Winnipeg, you might be able to get away with it just because theirs is terrible. So it, it's going to come. Smith's going to play a huge role, which still scares me, even though he's been good this year. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Edmonton in seven in this one. I think that, you know, I, I could again, this is one where which is how hot Edmonton's been and how cold Winnipeg's been. I could see this going five or something like that. But um, I'm just going to go just for the fact that, you know, I think maybe something like Mike Smith has an off night or two. I, I'm going to go seven for Edmonton. I'm going to say Edmonton in six. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to another division. Uh, let's, go, let's go with the one that's starting the soonest here. Boston, Washington in the East. Again, this is, a, this is, I, I'm so, I'm always just so giddy for the first round of the playoffs because it's like very rarely do you have more than one matchup where you're like, I really don't want to watch that, you know, or I, I really don't care. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. Like it's just, it's just pure, just chaos all the time. Sorry, I, I'm kind of caught up. I'm watching an absolute brawl happen at the Padres game right now. Some dude just got sucker punched. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so Boston, Washington, this is another one that, that could like, this is two of the fiercest teams, you know, in the league. Zdeno Chara, obviously playing his old team. Um, you know, Tom Wilson's going to be a shit disturber out there, obviously. But, you know, on the other side, it's not like Boston lacks their shit disturbers. You know, Brad Marchand will be out there right in the mix of things. This should be a great series. Um you know, where, where do you look at, uh, what, you know, what do you think the key to this series is going to be for either team? Um, I think like Washington deserves a lot more respect than Montreal, even though I'm about to make a similar comparison, but like, I think the way Boston has played post trade deadline, they can just go in and impose their will on Washington, like Washington or Boston needs to beat themselves here there. I, I believe they're just that good of a team. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on bot. I think I'm gonna have the I'll be picking this as a quote unquote upset or whatever you want to call it. Um Taylor Hall's been so good since the deadline. You know, we kind of went over this was it two weeks ago, I guess, when we did our teams most likely to win the cup. And you know, it's and since then it's been like 
Kuznetsov's been placed on the COVID list. Now, I think he will be back for the series, but, it, you know, it's not like we're super high on Evgeny Kuznetsov to begin with and, you know, take yeah. him that he might not be 100% or whatever, like, you know, who, who knows how COVID's going to affect him or whatever, or I don't even know if he had it, but just not having his legs and, like, there's just so many questions to, to be asked, you know, like, I I like the Caps team. I, I think they're, um, I don't want to say they're built for playoffs, but, you know, like, I think Zdeno Chara will be more useful in a playoff series because he is slow and he can, you know, use his stick a little more to interfere and just kind of do whatever he wants. But I definitely, like, I'm, this Boston team is just really, like, it's, it's the classic, like, the past years we've had this exact conversation but with Toronto and Boston where it's like I'm picking Boston not because of anything Toronto's doing wrong but just Boston feels that good this almost feels like that to me again a hundred percent and just the way Taylor Hall is fit in on that team like that Hall Krejci Smith line will I would think add more like war or whatever than all of Washington's bottom nine combined. And then after that line, Boston still has good depth. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just. On top of the fact that the Bergeron Marchand Pasternak line going head to head against Ovi and Backstrom would probably run them over. I don't think they'll go head to head. Why would you do that with Ovi against them? But like the first line's better by like at least a little bit Boston's their second line is infinitely better and their bottom two lines are probably better too. Like they are just, they can just wave after wave, beat them down. Yeah. Funny enough, Boston has 11 defensemen on their um, active roster right now. Um, but yeah. And then just like, even in net, like I, I trust Tuka Rask and Halak more than either of Samsonov or uh, Banachek. Like, uh, they yeah. well, that's usually one thing Washington would always have. It's like, well, we have Braden Holby, the best playoff save percentage of all time. Yeah. And that was one of the big strengths. It's just completely gone. Yeah. So like forwards, you know, top six, bottom six, I would both say definitely in favor of Boston goalies. I would say is favor of Boston blue line. This is where I think you can make an argument. I think McAvoy is the best defenseman in the series, but uh, you know, is the gap between say like, McAvoy to Grizzly, Carlo, Riley bigger than um, Carlson is to, uh, um, sorry, I'm blanking, Chara. I'm assuming Chara will probably still play top four, but like Chara, Orlov, Schultz, maybe TVR, whoever plays in that top four, you know, like, is that where the gap's big enough? I think that's probably one of the closer areas. Um, But again, like it's uh, it's tough because I I think McAvoy is the best defenseman in the series. Yeah, and the nice thing about the playoffs is McAvoy is going to be able to play like 28 minutes a night. So it won't matter quite as much as it might in the regular season. But that is, if Washington, if you're looking for an edge on Washington, it's definitely the blue line. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do like, I think I like Washington's depth a little more on the blue line, you know, from, especially from two to five or two to six. And again, like you can cherry pick that however you want, right? It's like, oh, I like players three to seven or whatever on the forward chart. But, um, you know, if, you know, once you look behind the, uh, quote unquote minutes eater on the blue line and Washington's interesting. Cause I don't think Carlson will play 29 minutes and I hit five on five. That'll probably be Orlov's kind of thing. And Carlson will just play all the power play time, right. Which he rightfully should. So um, I'm going to definitely take Boston in the series. I, I, again, I think this one has the, the potential to go pretty long and be very, very physical. Like this could be a, uh, just a, a bloodbath by the end of it. 
It will definitely be very physical. The one thing that does scare me, even though I think Washington has a better blue line, is like, you know damn well McAvoy is matching up against that elite top line, and you're happy with that. There is no one on the Washington Capitals blue line that goes against the Bergeron line, and you have a smile on your face. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, like it's just, it's so tough for Washington because it's like, when they're at home, do you hard match the, um, Bergeron line, which you probably don't want to because you want Ovechkin getting free, but then you're going to let that Taylor Hall line just Taylor Hall line just run wild on your second line, or do you match the Taylor Hall line, try and you know play closer to even? Maybe you have a bit of an edge there, but then the Patrice Bergeron line, Bergeron line gets to just play against Kuznetsov or whatever. It's like no matter what they do, it just feels like it's going to be a disgusting mismatch for one of the lines. Yeah, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Oddly enough, I think Tom Wilson will play a really important role in this series, even more so than his on-ice impact, because the easiest way for Washington to win is with their power play, and Tom Wilson is the most uh, logical way that you get on the power play a lot. Yeah, that, that's definitely fair. It'll be one of those things where, can you know, uh, who, who steps over the line first, right? Because like, both these guys have players who will lose their cool a little bit. And, and they're both, they, they have great agitators on both sides. So it's going to be what side can keep their calm and not take that extra little penalty. And some of that might not even be them. Some of that might just be the refs doing stupid ref stuff. But, uh, you know, it'll be one of the things to keep an eye on is can, can special teams take advantage on either side? Yeah, 100%. And I hate the whole playoff team quote unquote narrative, but like if there's one team that's really, really good at walking the line, no, it is the Boston Bruins. Yes. But I mean, you, you put one of those players, like Charo is one of the best at it. And now he's on the, on the capitals. It's not like, you know, um, I, I would, argue, I would argue Tom Wilson's not one of the best for walking the line. He just blatantly goes over it, but he doesn't get punished <laughs> like he should. Um, so, you know, it'll be, this one will definitely be, I'd be shocked if this is not just like a physical bloodbath kind of series, you know? Yeah. This is going to be awesome. And seeing Chara against Boston is going to be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because there will be fans in the stands, you know, who knows how many, but, um, like they were saying, like people are expecting, especially at West and like Vegas and more something, um, if Dallas would have made it Dallas, but some of those more open States where they, they're expecting like probably by the third round, a close to a packed barn, which would just be. Uh, crazy to see, but I don't think like the C- the CDC in the States just today announced that uh, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to social distance or wear masks anymore. So. Oh, really? Yep. That, that's in, good. in most scenarios anyways, they said, but like, that's where the States are, where they feel they are. So, um, you know, meanwhile in Ontario, we just got our lockdown extended June 2nd, but uh, we won't talk about that. Um, I'll go Boston in. I'll say Boston and six for this one. I think, again, if you were forecasting, Boston and six, probably the most likely outcome. I say Boston and five. I think they're a really, really good team. I'm not super high on the caps. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, let's go to the other one in this division. Another, you know, classic kind of rivalry uh, and should be a pretty good series. These guys have played uh, the, the Islanders swept Pittsburgh a couple, couple years ago, two years ago now, I believe. Um, and then, you know, but they've matched up a couple times over the past decade, I believe, uh, this one, this one's probably one of the ones I'm least looking forward to mostly because I hate watching the Islanders, but like, I, I think it's, there, there is still a bunch of interesting talking points for sure in this series. And it's not like I'm actively going to shut my TV down or anything like that, but, but like, 
it was the Islanders versus a lot of teams I would have no interest in watching. Islanders Pittsburgh, I'm really interested to see if anything's changed from two years ago because that was just like me and you both were really high on Pittsburgh and we both picked them and the Islanders just swept them and it was like disgustingly mismatched. The, the Islanders played a transition game that Pittsburgh could not keep up with. They were all they get in the zone and just give up the pocket and back the other way with speed the Islanders would go. So um I'm really interested to see if that's what we see more of or you know if the super hot Pittsburgh team can do a good job of controlling that and getting chances on the net. Yeah that'll be interesting because getting away like if they can just find a way to break that Islanders system it'll be Pittsburgh in a heartbeat but we've seen them fail before. So I don't really know how to take this series, to be honest. I think it might be the closest one we've talked about yet. Yeah. Like I, I, I think if I had, I don't know, like this is one of the classic ones where I think if, you know, if I, I would expect a model to be like slightly favoring Pittsburgh money puck is way favoring Pittsburgh. They're 67%. But again, we said, you know, like most of these series are like, 60 plus so um but like i would say it's slightly favor pittsburgh but i like i might take the islanders here just in my predictions as um you know something that maybe not everyone has i, I don't know like it's one of those things where I, I i keep thinking that one of these years the dam's gonna burst on the islanders right like one of these years we're finally gonna be right it's like this team is not as good as they look they're like they're a fine team i think you know they've definitely earned the respect from going like we thought they were for years, we thought they would be a bottom three team, and they're they're not that clearly, but they're not a top ten team either. Granted, the record doesn't say they are these days, but I don't like. I just I don't know how many years in a row I can pick the Islanders to be out in round one and watch them go round two, round three, wherever it is. You know. Yeah, that's fair, and um, not counting Boston as an upset because Boston's like aggressive favorites in the betting market. Dom has them favored. Money Puck has them favored. If there's going to be an upset, this is the most likely one to pick by a mile. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, this for as, as a 1v4, um, like you just look at the other ones, Carolina, Nashville, we'll get into it, but that that's a pretty uh, aggressive one. And then uh, either of Colorado or Vegas for St. Louis, that would have sounded like maybe heading into the year, not quite that big of um, an upset, but, you know, what we've seen so far, that probably would be. But, uh, yeah, like this is just uh, – I'm really curious to see how it plays out because, you know, obviously um, uh, the Islanders have been literally just like you could say what we said of the Islanders for the past two years and just paste it into this, this year, right? Like it's the exact same thing for three straight years now where it's like they play a defensive style system. Their underlying metrics don't look great. Granted, they're not bottom, like their course, their course before is 20th in the league and their expected goals. That's probably it's 11th. So it's not like they're bad by any means compared to maybe some other past years, but it's like their metrics aren't like, top of the league good, but they, they play a really tight defensive system. Their goaltending has been unreal partly because of that. And partly because I think they've just got good goaltending. So it's like, where do you go from that? And, and, you know, where does that play out? Because again, if Pittsburgh can find a way to even put a dent in this system, I, I think it could get ugly, but saying that is way, way, it's way easier said than done. Right. So. A hundred percent. Cause it's clearly not that easy to find what's wrong with the Islanders, but I will say I, believe and pittsburgh has 10 defensemen on their cap friendly roster right now so i don't know who's gonna play but i think they can ice a way better puck moving unit than they had last time which is in favor of the penguins 
Yeah, they were actively throwing out Erica Branson and Jack Johnson for about 30 or 50% of the game last time they played uh, the Islanders. So that will definitely, and that was like one of the massive downfalls is that they literally could not move the puck out of their own end. And then when they did, their defensemen were so slow on the counterattack, they just got burned, right? But uh, that's a, that's definitely a good point. I, I'm I'm really curious to see because I, like with Pittsburgh too, it's like I haven't paid much attention to this team because it's just son of, such a obviously past Sid and Malkin, it's just such an unassuming list of names, like Brian Russ, Kasperi Kapanen, Jason Zucker's from all I've heard has been like somewhat disappointing. Then, you know, Gensel, Teddy Bluger, but it's just like, I'm really curious to see if the depth forwards here can take advantage of the the depth that the Islanders have, because, you know, the, the depth in the Islanders, they play a very specific way. They play not to score, but just not to get scored on. And if your depth can chip in, even to the point where they're like plus four over four games, I think that would be huge. Yeah, because it, it doesn't need to be huge, but it's got to be something. Yeah, and, and, you know, for the Islanders, and again, they have 22 forwards on their roster right now. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> they could ice two full teams here. Um, they have 22 well, forwards on their roster. Everybody's cap is just loaded with players. I don't understand why. It's because the, the 162 games that they agreed on before the season's over now, so there's no cap. Uh, there's no cap anymore. Oh, so this happens every time then. Because the Penguins yeah. have 26 skaters and five goalies. Yeah, the, the Islanders too. the Islanders have 34 skaters and four goalies right now. But it's because you I, – I don't think you can call people up during the playoffs. Maybe you can, but I, I'm not sure on that. But it's like basically they call every single person up because there's no salary cap limit. So, you know, a bunch of these guys probably won't play, but, you know, you just have them there for whatever – if you lose four defensemen, you have four sitting there that you can throw in. Yeah, and I guess usually there's the AHL playoffs, so you'd leave some of the guys down, whereas this year it's like anyone who might play, you might as well just have with the team at all times already. Yeah, exactly, and at least on paper, right? So it's like um, – but, yeah, uh, I – this one's a tough one. Uh, I don't even like, – the thing is, like, I just – I really don't like – anything about this Islanders team. Like, I think, like, obviously, if they're going to win, they're going to have to need Varlamov to be huge. Barzell's going to have to probably line match one of Crosby or, or Malkin and do it efficiently, which is just so much to ask for. But, like, it's just a classic where it's like, I don't love this team on paper, but every time you watch them, they just, they don't give you any space to breathe. They muck it up, and suddenly it's a 2-1 game, and that's how every game is played. So They really are a gross team. And they're missing Anders Lee. Yeah. Like... Man, what's your prediction for this like, one? Oh, go on ahead. Go paper, ahead. this is a gross mismatch, but I'm gonna go pens and seven. I'm gonna go I that much. I'm gonna go Islanders and seven. I right. I think yeah, I, it's a coin toss for me. I'm gonna go Islanders, just a so we disagree, and b so I have a an upset in here. I think as well, but that's that's a tough one, man. Like that is uh, this should be a close series. Yeah, it should be. I, I like Pittsburgh, so I don't know if it's more I want them than uh, I want to believe Pittsburgh in seven is the most likely outcome. But yeah, like uh, I, I like again, if I was if I was just go straight off a model, I, I think I would definitely have Pittsburgh in like maybe five or six. Like if I just judge these team on paper, but you just can't do that, right? Like and like like and I, I, it's not like you should just abandon that or anything like that. But uh, the the Islanders are definitely a team that we've seen time and time again, kind of buck the trend of you can't just I mean and they play off hockey it's a seven game sample right but still it's just one of those things where I think they will make this series close no matter what 
Yeah, 100%. Um, let's go to the third division then. We're looking pretty good on time. We're about 40 minutes here. Not quite 40 minutes. So Nashville, Carolina. Uh, Carolina winning the division. Uh, I think... I think I had that predicted at the beginning of the year, just as kind of like a, a hot take of like, Oh, like the, the lightning are missing Kucherov or whatever. So I'll throw Carolina at first, but uh, good for them. You know, I, like, I wandered onto pinnacle to find, find that I won money on that, that I didn't even know I had a bet. Place. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's always good. And uh, this is a huge, uh, Huge thing for the the Hurricanes because they get to avoid. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago too. They get to avoid playing the Panthers and the Lightning in round one, and they get to play the Predators instead. And the Predators have been hot as late. They're seven two and one going in, but uh, um, I you know Usually this, this not yeah yes yeah time. yeah UC Soros has been unreal. He's still on his head. Um, so you know, obviously that'll be the big thing. Uh, this this Canes team just classic top five and expected goals and Corsi Ford throughout the year like just exactly what you expect fourth in Corsi fifth in expected goals uh, Nashville was fifteenth in Corsi and I want to say I don't think they were too far below that in expected goals in the seventeenth so it's not like this Nashville team is like actively horrible they're just very mediocre um, which I think this. I don't know. I, I do always enjoy watching Carolina Hurricanes hockey. It's fast paced and fun, but just if I had to look at a series, this one's maybe the one I'm least excited about um, because I think like, I'd be very surprised if Nashville won um, and it's just, you know, two smaller markets. This would be one that would be really cool if the barns were absolutely packed because playoff atmosphere in Nashville is awesome. And Carolina, like lately they've been packing the, 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 the arena as well. Um, like all well, the last couple of playoffs we've seen them in obviously. And that's always a lot of fun too. But I think, you know, if uh, in a half empty building, this one might be a little less on the radar for me, but uh, there's still, again, lots to talk about too. Yeah. There's probably not, I'm probably not going to tune into this series or at least not going to prioritize it, but like, it should be fun for those who do all, all Kane's games are mostly good. Yeah, like it's hard to have like a, a legitimately like bad Carolina Hurricanes game because even if you're playing a defensive team, it's like they are still going to take 40 shots on net or whatever, right? So um, let's let's focus on on Nashville first. Let's start with the underdog here because with Carolina, they're the favorites, obviously, largely favored, I would assume. Um, like my money puck's got them at 64%, which actually isn't as high as some of the other teams. But uh, um if Nashville's going to win, you know, if Saros is obviously going to have to continue playing how he's been playing, what else do we have to look for to go right? Uh, I'll start. The, the blue line's got to get healthy, stay healthy. Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm basically have to play 90% of the game combined with those three. And then you just cannot be playing Eric Goodbranson. Um, even Dante Fabro's not very good. Like, you just, you really cannot be playing your bottom three defensemen. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, because Carolina's so deep, you can't afford to play just absolute train wrecks. Although I'm looking at daily faceoff, and it has none of the big three Predators defensemen, and that could be they're resting them for playoffs. I don't know, but that would mean they're not healthy. I would assume they probably rested them in the last game of the season. Okay, they probably updated it Um, because I I don't, I haven't heard of an, I don't think I've heard of an injury from any of these. I'll take a a look really quick, but. yeah, like uh, that, that's basically, I think that's got to be the mold where it's like, oh, like to the point where it's like you almost either have to double shift someone like, like double shift your choice of whoever, 
Or it's like you have to put those guys on three separate pairs and hope that they can just carry a bum partner all the way. And I don't know which one I'd rather see because both aren't ideal options, obviously. Do you remember those old Hawks teams that would run Keith, Homerson, and Seabrook like 55 minutes a night combined? Like the three of them just played constantly and then one or two guys would cycle through basically. I would be looking to do something like that if I'm Washington or uh, Nashville. Yes, like I think you almost have to, right? Like, uh, um, today's date. Oh, yeah, he should be fine by now. Say March 9th, Eckholm and Yossi were both week to week, but again, that's March. I can't imagine they are still out. Um, but yeah, like that, it has to be that way because it's just like the, the gap between the top three and bottom three is just so disgustingly bad. March 2nd, Ryan Ellis headlines multiple Nashville Predators absences. Again, that was. March 2nd though. So I'm assuming they're probably good, but, um, and then from there, it's like, like up front, you need Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg, Matt Shane, Ryan Johansson. Like you just kind of need the best out of all of those guys. If you're going to have a chance here, because the Canes are so good up front on the top six and really good at with their depth too, where it's like Eric Hall is going to have to be really strong. Callie Yarncroke, et cetera. Right. Yeah. You basically just need everybody rolling. Because it's not like they have a stud you can point to. Like it's not like they can be. You look at the their roster and be like, oh well, Matt Barzell might be able to take over a series. Like they don't have anybody like that. It's got to be you got to score by committee here. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go Canes and four. Ooh, I don't sweet. like. Yeah, I don't like predict. I mean, like if I'm being like, I think if we're doing. Um, you know, what's the most likely outcome? I would say probably Canes in five, maybe Canes in six, but I'll throw a sweep in there just to have one. Uh, I'll go Canes in four. Yeah, I'll go Canes in five. I think a lot has to go Nationals away for this to actually end up. Because even though their goaltending has been good, like Caroline is just so much better at driving play. They're going to shoot them by like 10 shots a game. I don't know if their goaltending is good enough to hold up for that. Yep, absolutely. Um, last series that we actually know the the exact teams that are playing, Florida and Tampa. Florida actually has the home, home ice advantage here. Um, what that'll actually be, I'm highly skeptical of because I'm pretty sure they can only allow like five, they're only allowing 5,000 people in right now. Although this is Florida, so they may very well open that up for the playoffs. Um, this should be, this series, oh my God, like, I don't know if have you kept up with today with the last two games of these guys where there's just been like line brawls basically the whole time. Like it's been uh, absolutely insane. Yeah. I didn't know there was so much hatred between these two teams. Yeah. I didn't really like, I get they're both from Florida, but it's just the Panthers have been so irrelevant for so long. That is like, it's kind of hard to build a rivalry up, you know, but they're good this year. Yeah. If there's a year to do it, this is the year. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, like they, they finished four points up in the standings. Now, granted, the Lightning didn't have Kucherov. They didn't have Stamkos for the end of the year, and I don't think the Lightning really cared by the end. They were just trying to get healthy, get in the playoffs. Um, this series would have been really, really interesting if the Aaron Ekblad would have been healthy. Um, it's a shame he's not because, like, I think there's a legitimate case that, especially with a healthy Ekblad playing on a Norris-type season or even somewhat close to it, I think there could have been a legitimate case that, like, Florida could be an up. It's weird calling them an upset when they're in second place, but that's just how good the lightning are. Right. But um, you know, I think if I, and weird or not, like oddly enough, money puck has Florida at 60% odds. I, I wouldn't agree with that. I would have uh, Tampa favored, but I, I think that 
Um, the, the one X factor here is going to be, does Kucherov show any rust, you know? Um, because obviously yeah. people were like, oh yeah, I like that. I mean, we knew their plan all along. It was get Kucherov when the salary cap disappears, but, and Stamkos as well, actually for that matter. But it's like, like those, it's not Kucherov, especially he hasn't played at all this year. And Stamkos has played, hasn't played in two months. I'm pretty sure. Like, it's not guaranteed that both those guys are going to step in and just be like the absolute dominant forces we know them to be. And if that doesn't happen, like I still like the lightning team, but it's a lot closer of a series. Yeah, that's the big what if, which makes this series so tough to forecast. Cause like, even though Florida's been, you know, like a, a nice, like feel good story, cause they've been good out of nowhere this year. If the Tampa Bay Lightning are healthy, they are overwhelming favorites. Yes, absolutely. And the scariest thing I think for me is that like Tampa's only going to get better as the playoffs go on, which is usually the opposite for most teams because you get guys hurt, right? But like I think if Tampa can survive this first round, I think Kucherov and even Stamkos, assuming Stamkos stays healthy, and you know, Kucherov to that point too, but Stamkos is so injury prone. Um, you know, it, like if they get heated up, then like just the more they play, the better I think they'll get, which is a, a scary proposition to make. Yeah, and there's probably some some sort of an advantage for the fact that Kucherov hasn't had the wear and tear of all the back-to-backs that everybody else has been playing this season. Yep. Yep. That's fair. Um, let's, let's look at something from care from Florida's perspective too. That's not just Kucherov isn't amazing because I do still think even if Kucherov is good, I think it'll be very, very tough for the Florida Panthers, but um, you know, like we, we see them beat them more than a couple times this year. So it's not like it would be impossible by any means. No, it's not completely impossible it's just they need a decent amount of things to go right because they are the worst roster yes the worst Um, usually it's the other you have one yet if you don't have one you have the other but Vasilevsky's way better than whoever Florida decides to ice yeah I'll be very interested to see what goalie they go with I think it'd be a a death wish to play Bobrovsky but it wouldn't shock me if they do but like I would play honestly I would dress I wouldn't I don't even know like at this point Maybe I shouldn't make this claim right away, but like, there's an argument that they don't even need to dress Bobrovsky if they dress Knight and uh, Dreger instead. Yeah, I probably wouldn't ice Bobrovsky, but from I admittedly knowing nothing about the situation, I wouldn't be shocked if he's starting at least one of the games. Oh, I would assume he'll probably be their starter heading in, but again, I haven't uh, paid a ton of attention to it going in, like in, in the past week or two. But I, I know Spencer Knight's been playing some games, Dreger's still been playing some games, and. Uh, Bob has too, but um, like, like it's just, I, I don't know. It's just, there's no argument for Bobrovsky at this point. Uh, Chris Dreger has a 12.48 goal saved above average. Um, goal saved above expected is seven. Uh, Spencer Knight in four games is 0.82 and a minus 1.6. Bobrovsky's a minus 2.65 and a minus 10.65. So he's just, he's been very clearly the third worst goalie, yet he has the most, he has more games played than the other two combined. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just, it's been what three years of him being bad now. Yeah. Uh, or like, well, two year, yeah. Two and a half years in the playoff run in Columbus. Yeah. So, or like that outside of everything outside of the playoff run in Columbus. Cause he was bad for half of that year and then picked it up the last month or so and played good for about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, our big three. Weeks. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, Sam Bennett needs to keep being the best player on the planet. Apparently um, this, Dude has 5.5 goals above replacement since joining the Florida Panthers, which uh, let me, 
Yeah, like I, I don't think he's played more than 15 games with them. Um, he has literally been like one of the hottest players ever, or like not ever, but one of the hottest players in this league um, since he got traded in 10 games. He has 5.5 goals above. He's been one, he's won one worth, Jesus, sorry, worth one win in 10 games already this year, which is like just incredible. In uh, 38 games with Calgary, he was negative 0.4 goals above replacement and a negative 0.1 wins above replacement. We both didn't like the trade for Ben at the time. I still don't think it was a great process, but oh my God, something is going right here. Yeah, and for those who aren't familiar with how those numbers are distributed, that would put Sam Bennett on pace for like the most productive season of all time. Or at least, sorry, of the analytics era because the dad only goes to 07, but still. Yeah, and, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, obviously, he's not that good, but it's pretty incredible to see how good he has been. Um, if you're Florida, uh, you know, a way forward here is, you know, Barkov has to, Barkov, Huberdeau uh, either have to play together or separately and really shut down that top six for for Tampa Bay. Um, that's, you know, and then you need the Carter Haggies, Sam Bennett's of the world, maybe Bennett plays top six, but you need your depth to hopefully just, you know, you you, you got to basically play the evens, I think, all the way down and then just get a bounce here or there. I think that's going to be the, the way they're going to have to approach this. Yeah, it's it's rough for Florida because they're so top heavy. So like Florida is one of the teams. A lot of teams would like to keep their top line away from other teams top line. Like Winnipeg doesn't want that Shifley line going up against McDavid. Florida is one of the teams that will happily just throw Barkov at whoever and just have faith that he's going to win. But then. Tampa's just so deep that that sucks for the rest of the lineup. Yeah. And the blue lines are just like when, again, we touched on goaltending. I mean, Tampa clearly is the better goaltending, but then you look at the blue line and with no Ekblad on it, it's just uh, not great. You know, like Yandel, Strawman, Montour, Uyghur, Nudavara, Gudis. It's just like, that's probably going to be their top six. It's like, it's not. It's just they, 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 they lack the Aaron Ekblad type, you know, with Aaron Ekblad in that lineup suddenly, you know, you probably bump someone out like Montour, honestly. Um, and then suddenly it's like, okay, this isn't a great blue line, but at least it's like you have Ekblad. If you put Barkov on one line and Ekblad tries to line match a second line, it's like, okay, well, our second pair can hopefully line match the first line with Barkov on it. You know what I mean? But it's just, they're at such a, yeah, they're at such a disadvantage here. Yeah, that sucks because now Hedman is just far and away, even though he hasn't been good this year, like Hedman's the best defenseman in this series by a country mile. McDonough yeah, apparently apparently he's playing hurt as well. Like oh, apparently really? he need, yeah, apparently he needs surgery and he's putting I saw a report on that a week or two ago. He was, you know, he could have got surgery about a week or uh, yeah, probably when the report came out, but he's putting it off until after the playoffs because I think it would take him out for a good chunk of the playoffs. So well, that makes sense that probably explains why it's having a bit of a down year too, but you know, um, so they, they really have to take advantage of that because it's like Hedman steps off the ice and you still have McDonough, Sergachev, um, you know, all kinds of guys that aren't uh, slouches in, you know, David Savard, um, you know, guys that just are solid NHL players coming on the ice as well. Yeah. And with the best forward group in the NHL, assuming they're healthy. Yeah. So um, I'll take Tampa in six here. Uh, I do think that Florida will probably be able to steal a game or two off of them, but uh, I, I want to say, I want to see an upset here. I just, I don't know if I can believe it. Yeah. I'm going to say Tampa in six as well. Although I'm looking at the odds and Dom and Pickle both have Tampa Bay roughly as likely to win as Pittsburgh. 
And I would have guessed Tampa would be a far bigger favorite against an Ekbladless Panthers. So I'm wondering, do you think that's because of hesitancy about Tampa being healthy? Or do you think they're just way higher on Florida than I expected? I mean, Florida was third in the league in expected goals this year and fifth in Corsi four. So I don't think it's unreasonable of a model to be pretty high on Florida to be like, if we're looking at this in a one year sample, I think we would probably both be on high. Like if we threw priors out, obviously, but, and that's why you kind of can't do that. But like Florida has been legitimately good top to bottom this year, like all four lines have been dominant, but so I I would say that's probably why like as as close as close as it is. Yeah, because Florida has been amazing. It's it's purely priors, but like the priors are so strong with the lightning and so mediocre with Florida that it's hard to yep. overcome that. Exactly. So let's let's get the last division here. Um, so unfortunately, we were really hoping that uh, we were going to know who plays who, uh, but comes down to the night. The Colorado Avalanche play the LA Kings. If the Colorado if Colorado beats them in regulation, I believe um, they clinch first spot and we'll play St. Louis. Uh, I guess what we can do here is we can look through kind of if look, let's start with Colorado, St. Louis, then we can quickly touch on if it is Colorado, Minnesota, do we think anything changes? Um, the biggest thing, cause you know, honestly, like the, the nice thing about this division is that Colorado and Vegas are very, very similar teams in both the, in that they are both just so dominant. Like they're so, so good, both of them. Um, so it's like, I, I think the same things will probably apply to St. Louis mostly on both ways where it's like, they're going to be pretty mismatched. Again, heading into the year, I thought maybe not, but St. Louis has really struggled this year. And like, they just, they're not a good underlying team anymore either. I think that they are in big trouble no matter who they play. Yeah, they've been awful. And like the best argument you can make as to why St. Louis has been so bad is just that Colorado has been way, like way better than expected. So it's kind of like the five Corsi four percentage that Colorado got better. They stole from St. Louis, but the, that argument might give you some faith for next year's St. Louis blues, but it absolutely does not help them in these years, this year's playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like right now it doesn't do anything good for them because they've just been, you know, not great this year. So like it, it's this is one of the things where it's like um like I, I think this could be there there's potential for a sweep in, in this one, I think, as well. If I'm no matter who they play. Like I just think that uh and, and Vegas, Vegas played with 15 skaters the other night because of salary cap implications. That's about to be gone as well. Like or that is gone now for them. So, you know, they're gonna have a full roster. Um they, they brought in people, you know, they brought in Petrangelo. Um for this exact reason, they stone Patrick Reddy, been red hot all year. And then Colorado, like Colorado's got arguably the best defense group in the entire league. And uh, oh yeah, that Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landskog, those guys aren't too bad either. Like, so yeah, best defense tough. group in the league and the second best line plus good depth. Yeah, exactly. It's not like after that, like the, the biggest problem for a number of years there was after McKinnon, no one else could do anything. Well, they've got Kadri, they've got Saad, even Nuchushkin, like, Colorado's uh, such a great spot that, you know, that, that top line with O'Reilly on it. Like I think Colorado, Colorado might try and like line match Nutushkin or someone like that. So then you have both of your top lines or at least one of them just going wild on, you know, the depth on like Mike Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. You can just absolutely eat the depth there. I was saving my sweep for whoever Colorado plays. Like, I think they're just so freaking good. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that like this, I don't know, this is a huge mismatch. Binnington 
he's obviously got to be the X factor here. And, you know, I, I just, I, since the cup, he, it's just, it was the classic where it's like, he went in, they won a cup. It was a great story, but like, I think everyone saw it coming. It's like, okay, he's not going to be a, well, not everyone. I, I think that people for the next year thought he was a top 10 goalie still, but it's just like, he's not really that like, he's not bad by any means, but he's just kind of average, you know? Yeah, exactly. I had, um, I had read that the difference between the wild and the avalanche in terms of like shots per hour at even strength was close to like 30. And I'm pretty sure St. Louis is equally as bad at driving play, at least like Corsi as the wild. So like Bennington to overcome that as a goalie, you need to be like Dominic Hasek level. Yeah. Like Like it's like Bennington could be like good and it probably might, it probably won't do anything for either of these teams in the series. Yeah, like usually with perfect hindsight, if you could know who had the better goalie, you could pick series perfectly, basically. But like Colorado has been so hilariously dominant at even strength that like Bennington and or like both goalies who have to play, which whoever has to play the avalanche can be the better goalie in the series by a good margin and still lose. And that's very rare. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just... I don't know. Like, I don't mind the Blues defensive core, but again, it's like Periaco, Krug, Dunn, and Falk does not line up to Makar, Gerard. Um, I'm blanking on uh, uh, the second pair there. Uh, Graves is, you know, another option. Um, like, Eric Johnson might not be playing for them. Devon Taves as well. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Connor Timmins. Like, it's just like, they're, just, they're so deep. And it's like, with Gerard Taves, Makar and then plug your fourth out probably Graves is your fourth but and then you got like you can just choose like seven guys to be in the bottom two there and it does not matter yeah because the way these three guys are playing they have like wash or peak Nashville Predators level defense core but with a line that's almost as good as the Berger or roughly as good as the Bergeron line up front which was always Nashville's problem was they didn't have the forwards whereas this yeah. team has fantastic forwards plus the second best line in the league, I would think. Yeah. Something around that, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I think if it's your St. Louis, it's going to be tough no matter who you play Um, Minnesota. Let's get, let's go to them quickly. And, you know, look, um, I, I like Minnesota a little more than St. Louis. They don't, they're worse in Corsi four, but they're about a 51% expected goal. So they're um, less quantity, more quality kind of team. I, Talbot and Kakinen gives them two options in net. Uh, and I, I like uh, Minnesota's blue line to at least try and match up with some of these guys where it's Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodeen, Ian Cole, Ryan Suter, right? Like I like their at least chances to try and smother that top line and hope that uh, some of the depth can go from there. Yeah, hundred percent. Although I know it's, it's like cute to be really high on Minnesota. Like they have the highest shooting percentage in the league. Oh, I think they're year. overrated now. To be honest. Yeah, like Minnesota is not that good of a team. They're not bad. Like, they're perfectly probably average-ish, maybe even slightly above. But, like, you don't look at their – nothing about their roster screams shooting talent. And when that's your calling card, like, I'm so skeptical. And I think they're going to get absolutely fried by either Colorado or Vegas. Yeah, like, I think – I just wrote mine down. I think I have – Either call it, I don't know what I want to do yet. I think I'm either going to have Colorado sweeping or maybe St. Louis just getting swept. And then the other series, I think, goes five. Like, I think this division is a sweep and a five game series just because of how aggressively good the top two teams are. 
Um, yeah. Like if you're if you're Minnesota here, you probably rather play Vegas just because yeah. you know Colorado's unreal, but like. I think they match up a little better against Vegas too. Cause like the biggest question mark with Minnesota going forward is have they kind of reversed the script where Kirill Kaprasov is so good at shooting that he can be, he can start swaying them into a team that like doesn't need to be as dominant five on five because they can't shoot. And obviously they're not going to have the highest shooting percentage in the league again next year. That just doesn't happen in back-to-back years for any team. Right. But um, the, the, the biggest question will be, can they get enough in the playoff series here where it's like, you can um, effectively outshoot your problem, you know, outscore your problems. And, you know, I, I think against Vegas, it's like, if you can free up Kaprasov uh, on not the stone line, you're feeling a little better about yourself. Whereas like, even if you don't have Kaprasov going against McKinnon, it means he's going against Kadri and like Brendan Sod probably, which are and Natushkin maybe, which like, I don't think that's a matchup they really want to be going like, I, I just think that's worse than whatever the secondary match of Vegas can throw at them. A hundred percent. Although, like, their their big calling card is Kaprizov, and their best case scenario is Vegas. Like, Kaprizov getting hard matched against the Stone line when they're on the road against them. And Petrangelo, like... Stone, like yeah, like, Stone's an elite shoot. Stone's, Stone is can do everything Kaprizov can do, but he's better at the things Kaprizov isn't great at. Like, he's going to eat them alive. You'll have yeah, your home game away from them, but still. Yeah, and I guess the biggest problem with Vegas too is uh, that Petrangelo dude steps off the ice, and oh, here comes Shea Theodore, who's arguably better than him. Like, yeah, exactly. so or you know, or the other way around, where Shea Theodore steps on the off the ice, and it's oh, the Norris winner from a year ago or whatever. Petrangelo steps on the ice. It's like oh, great, like that's that's awesome. Yeah, and something that I guess the way they've been playing this year. You're terrified of Vegas's goalies, whoever's in net. That's not yeah. really true of Colorado. Colorado, it's the skaters that. Yeah, I mean, like really Grubauer's been on really solid this year, but it's not like you're absolutely terrified. Where it's like, I don't want to face Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury's been a top like five or six goalie in the league. I'm pretty sure this year. So you know, I, I think he's chilled off a little bit. Yeah, he's still fourth and goal saved above average. So. Yeah, like and Robin like, Leonard is the backup. Yeah, exactly. Like he will be the backup heading in. I think you know they said they're they've been literally just playing one game. One guy plays one, the next plays the the next. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they play their first round like that as well. But uh, Grubauer's fifth in goals saved above average, if for what it's worth as well. Um, and then you know this year, uh, Leonard. I don't even know if he hits my one thousand minutes requirement. To be honest, he's been hurt a lot this year. I doubt it. He hasn't played much. Leonard, let me check. Oh yeah. Oh wait, hold on. I need to do zero minimum minutes. Uh, yeah, he has played. Oh yeah, he he has, but he has a one point seven goals saved above average. So he's been just slightly above average. But we've seen for like three years now, he's been way way better than that. So yeah, like you're not worried if you, if you have to play Robin Leonard in the playoff series. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good point. That's like they should be a little scared, definitely. Um. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a pretty big mismatch no matter what. Um, I liked it. Like, and, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to preview round two just yet because we've seen crazier things happen, obviously. And just like, but I'm trying to give you know Colorado and Vegas their dues as well, just about like, you know, but like, there's just there's not like we've already just praised them all year about how good they are, right? So and there's not a ton to talk about where it's like, 
you know, you have to kind of look for the, for the underdogs, what is possibly can go right for them. You know, for, for that gets us unfortunate. Peyton Krebs broke his jaw the other night. Um, so I yeah, don't know if he, he will be back at all or playing at all, but that that's unfortunate because he was looking pretty good as well. So um, we'll keep an eye on that, but um, yeah. So I went to Toronto in five, Edmonton in seven, Boston in six, Islanders in seven, Carolina in four, the bolts in six. Um, I'm going to have, St. Louis getting swept no matter who they play and Minnesota going to five, no matter who they play. I'm going to take the same thing from opposite sides of the coin. I got a Colorado sweep, whoever they play and a Vegas in five, whoever they play. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that's our free playoff preview then. Um, thank you everyone for listening as always. And, you know, Jason, and I will keep up weekly episodes here as the playoffs roll on. Um, I I'm excited. I, you know, it's unfortunate Ottawa's not in it, but, uh, uh, I'm really excited that you don't get playoffs again and even see some fans back in the stands eventually too is, is going to be, or like, even if it's like half building or whatever, is going to be kind of cool. Yeah. It'd be nice to have that atmosphere again, especially in the playoffs. Cause it's, it doesn't really matter much uh, to me watching the game during the regular season, but the atmosphere is one of the coolest part of a playoff. Game. Just every building going absolutely insane because they know they have a chance on any given night is one of the coolest things. It's not like it doesn't happen in other sports, but it's like, like you could be, you could see like if it, the Winnipeg Jets are the eighth seed and they are expected to get absolutely swept by the Anaheim Ducks like they were in 2016 or whatever it is, there's still just an absolute whiteout where it's like you go to the NBA and again, it's not to any fault of their own, but it's like, you know that you were losing that game and it's just like the crowd will be into it, but it's not quite at the same level. Yeah, like hockey being not a starter, it has a lot of drawbacks, but it has one very big benefit for the playoff time, having a genuine belief that your team can win no matter what because it's hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the first round of hockey is just the most perfect thing in the world. So uh, uh, I hope everyone's excited as we are to watch it. We will probably be back at you mid to late next week, I would assume, maybe early the week after. We'll try and play out the – the um, series and see, see how they go. But that was our playoff preview. Let us know you know, what we are way wrong about and you know, what, what you think and you have as well. So um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find my work at last word on hockey.com, milehighhockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. And I don't usually plug my other podcasts, but I, I will plug it this time. I was lucky enough to have Jamie noodles McLennan on my last word on sends podcast. Uh, so go check that out. It was a lot of fun. Um, you can find chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66 uh, and have great week. We'll talk to you all next week.